Okay, good evening everyone. So I think we'll just do a, some sort of Dhamma talk tonight. Tonight I thought I'd talk about the results of meditation practice. Maybe we can say the results of doing a meditation course, what you should expect to get out of it. It's a trick, trick statement because you shouldn't expect to get anything out of it. Expectations are Expectations are bad, right, Sarat? When you have expectations, oh, well, they get in the way of being mindful. Shouldn't expect to get anything out of anything because expecting is a bad state of mind. So even if you get what you expect, it's still a cause for attachment, for expectation in the future. So maybe we should say it differently. It's what one tends to acquire or what benefits tend to come from meditation. Because then when you're thinking about doing a meditation course, you can ask yourself whether those are good things. Those are things worth getting and whether you really believe me when I say that these are the things that can come from meditation. So let's talk about that. The first thing that comes from meditation is mindfulness. Should be no surprise. I mean, that's the claim that what we're practicing is mindfulness, and what we practice will tend to make you more mindful generally. And so, by mindfulness, we really mean to be able to grasp an object as it is an experience. When you experience something, to be able to experience it clearly without judging it, without reacting to it. And this paves the way for seeing things clearly. It paves the way for insight, for wisdom. It paves the way for letting go because when you see things clearly as they are, you lose any false attachment to the object, thinking, hey, this is going to bring me such this or that or the other thing. And now you see, oh, wait, no, it's not. There's no rationale behind clinging to anything. When you look at things clearly, you, you're able to let go. So this is what mindfulness is good for. I mean, mindfulness is the first benefit. It's the first thing you get. It means that you're able to enter into situations in your life and deal with problems, with challenges in your life with a clear mind. So any occasion for being unhappy is, is greatly reduced. 
is uh, mitigated or thwarted or alleviated because you're not getting caught up you're not setting yourself up for for, for disappointment you're not vulnerable to change loss unwelcome experiences pain suffering Mindfulness, we would say, is is the most useful tool in life. If you're unmindful, it means you come into experience distracted, into an experience distracted, um, reactionary, biased, and weak. The mind is weak because immediately experience immediately it's off, reacting. It's not able to appreciate and experience and, and be with the, the situation. So there's the first benefit. That's what we're developing. When you say to yourself, pain, pain, it's an it's a artificial means of creating this state. It, it entices the mind, it encourages the mind to see things clearly. To observe things without reacting to them. The second benefit is happiness. Right? That's uh, what we what we all expect to get from something like meditation. Why does happiness come from meditation? Happiness comes well because you avoid suffering. But it becomes it comes because you solve your problems. You you alleviate so much of the burden of worry and stress and uncertainty, loss of loss. I mean, being at a loss, be feeling lost, having no grounding, having no bearing, having no direction. Mindfulness takes that away. You don't need direction, you just be here. When you're already here, you don't need direction, you've made it. And there's great happiness that comes. There's great peace and great happiness. Such a strength of mind, such a relief to not be subject to the whims of your own uh, delusions and conceits and likes and dislikes to be a, a slave or a, a prisoner of your own mind when you straighten it all out you become invincible bad things come what bad things? They're not bad, they're just things. They're not even things, really, they're experiences. And experiences, what do they do? They come and they go. So that's the second. The third thing that you get from meditation, generally, well, get from meditation is a start. So this particularly refers to the fact that meditation is about building a habit 
just like everything. Most everything we do builds mental habits. If you go to study at school, it's going to build many kinds of habits. It's going to help you organize your thinking in a certain way. There might be bad habits like stress and worry and lack of focus and so on, whatever. Um, but it will build habits. Meditation also builds habits. So it's a start. And more than that, meditation is powerful in the purity of it. That there's something so... It's like streamlining things. So you really... Instead of getting caught on the sidelines and being dragged and held back and never just going around in circles and never doing anything anywhere, never going anywhere, meditation is like a release where you fly up and out. And so it puts you on a track, it puts you, it gives you force, is what I'm saying. It's this inertia. It breaks the inertia and creates a new kind of inertia heading in a certain direction. So the idea here is that not only in this life, but in future lives, even though when you when you die, you'll probably, many of us will forget the things that we learned in this life, you won't lose the direction. You know, when you get in the strong direction, you don't get pulled away. You don't lose that. It carries with you. There's an idea that it carries with you lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. And maybe some distant lifetime you'll meet a Buddha or a, a, an enlightened being and you quickly understand what they're saying because you're already going in that direction. Or maybe just somehow by yourself you'll come to see the truth because of the direction you're heading in. I met a man today from Iraq who claims to be enlightened. I get a lot of people claiming to be enlightened from other traditions. I don't take it completely at face value. Um, I'm skeptical, usually. Uh, but on the other hand, I mean, it's just that the word enlightened means many different things, of course, to different people. But nonetheless, uh, this sort of thing can happen. And he said he said something important. He said, it's just that there was no one around to explain to me what had happened. And that sort of thing could happen. Hey, maybe he is enlightened. He seemed very interested in Buddhism. It's, it's quite possible that he was a meditator in his past life. Due to some strange karma, was born in, in Iraq, which by his own words was not a very pleasant place to live. And he had to escape with his family. The fourth benefit from meditation is a finish, so a start and a finish. The real goal in meditation is to finish, to end, to put an end to the problems in life, put an end to our judging, our, our attachments, our clinging, our, to put an end to wrong views, wrong beliefs, but to put an end to suffering.
So yes, meditation gives you good habits. It changes and takes away your bad habits. But it also opens you up to to an experience of freedom. Whereas I've said before, the mind lets go of everything. Not only says, not only sees things and says, ah, yes, don't hold on to that. But finally says, ah, yes, don't hold on to anything. Ah, yes, nothing is worth clinging to. And then, boop. There's release and the mind is free. So I thought I'd talk about this um, because we had one meditator finish his course today. And I thought it would be a good introduction to putting him on the spot and seeing if he'd come and say a few words to us. Um, just um, about your experience. Hmm? <laughs> I'll ask you some questions. Just answer them. You okay being on video? Don't mind. Okay. So it's better to not give people much advanced knowledge about the process. But we could just talk about uh, how you feel today and what you what you feel like you learned in the course. I think. Today it's hard to say because I still feel like I'm processing everything. Mm -hmm. I still feel like there have been a lot of shifts and I'm not sure where things will end up, so I'm just like observing. What do you feel? Do you feel like you learned something or you, you, you gained something? Something useful about the course? I mean, you spend a lot of time meditating. You think it was useful? I think it was useful, but I think it's hard to say what I'll get out of it until I actually leave and start living as I would normally do. Hmm. Now, did you go through anything during the course that you thought was, was a valuable learning experience or memory? I would say I found a lot of calmness mm. that I actually never had before. And I found that to be quite surprising. Did you find anything inside that you were able to work out? Any bad things? Did you have any bad things coming into the course? Well, I think we all do, but... <laughs> I think it's just like to see how to, to leave here and see how things work out. Yeah, sure. I mean, we mm. just finished today. Um, I guess I, I wanted to, to sort of get a sense of after doing the course, I mean, it gets quite intensive. Were there any, how did you feel today? Like, was, was there some peace at all today or a like sense of accomplishment? I think over the last four or five days, there was a sense of like intense peace yeah. and intense yeah, calmness. That is what we would ask the meditators. Hmm. Do you have that? Like something just quite, quite powerful. Yeah. I think today the intensity is drifting away. Yeah. But I think the calmness is still there. Yeah, no, that, that can stay for days. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good. Okay. Not, um, 
not ecstatic, but you've you've gone through a lot. You've, you've really been through something quite intensive, so not to be expected. Um, mm. And that it is definitely, I think, the kind of thing you process all the time. So mm. anyway, thank you. Mm -hmm. See, it wasn't prepared, so I don't know what he's going to say. Maybe he'll say, eh, it kind of sucked, really. That was kind of the kind of useless, I'm going home. He didn't say that. Yes, and expect peace and calm, for sure. I mean, again, we, we talk about this, and we tell meditators, hey, don't... But it is something that comes at the end of the course. I mean, and it, it really is important, because that really is what... The goal is right the goal is peace uh, and it should be a, pro a profound sense of peace not something you should expect or look for and it's not something you'll usually get during the course because the course is it's difficult it's challenging but uh, well, there you have it meditation um, was it worth it was it a good good experience yes okay Definite, yes, good experience. So that's important. The other thing I was going to talk about was um, what it's like to to live. Um, we talked about living as a meditator, so it's not exactly that, but what sort of a person you are once you've well a person who's become enlightened really and I think I've talked about this before I think this is something I've saw a talk I've given before but um, I thought I'd go over it for you guys to get some idea about maybe what we're aiming for in a sense or some idea of what it's like to be mindful. So the Buddha gave this talk. Uh, he, he he spoke this. I mean, we have these verses that are said to have been spoken by him um, in response to some people criticizing Sariputta, who was the Buddha's um, chief disciple. And so people Sariputta asked or Buddha asked Sariputta do you, you you say I'm such a uh, you say I'm I'm enlightened right do you say that out of faith do you have faith in me is basically what he said and, the Buddha, and Sariputta said no basically said no I don't have faith and the monks got really upset about it and they said Sariputta has no faith in the Buddha what he actually said according to the text is that it's not out of faith that he says that the Buddha is enlightened and, and so on. So what he meant was, of course, that it was out of knowledge and, and experience and understanding based on his own practice, based on his own enlightenment. Uh, but the, the, the monks came to the Buddha, or the Buddha heard about this, and they said, yeah, he's, he's got no faith. And the Buddha said, "Yes, yes, that's that's um, Sariputta, right? He's faithless and unknowing. Uh, he's a chain. No, he's a he's a lock 
he's a burglar, he's a lockpick. Uh, he's hopeless and without any without any opportunity without any opportunity and hopeless and this is the height of humanity the Buddha said it's one of the rare sort of uh, play on words that you find I, don't, I can't think of any other verse like it where the Buddha gives us a play on words because faithless faithless is bad right if you're faithless it means you're skeptical but it also can mean that you don't believe things out of faith because you know them Sariputta is faithless and that means he he had learned the truth for himself so our goal is not to believe. You don't have to believe me when I tell you, yes, meditation is good for you. Mindfulness has good benefits. We have evidence here. We have a meditator who's finished and he's still alive. Seems to say it was a good experience. But more importantly, you for yourself can see for yourself. When you've seen for yourself, then it's not about belief. This isn't a religion like Christianity or Islam or uh, it's another well those two stick out as really talking about believing and having faith not to criticize but just to point out a difference there's no faith faith is not faith is okay faith is good but it's um, considered in Buddhism to be inferior to knowledge and we would say that if you were to criticize, you would say those religions that end on believing are are in inferior, are, are incomplete in the sense that they don't lead people to knowledge. Now, of course, people will argue, I'm not trying to bring this and turn this into a religious debate, but um, to point out, regardless of naming names, Faith itself is inferior. Inferior to knowledge. You believe something versus you know it. Knowing it is better. Stronger. It's more powerful. So be faithless. And unknowing. The, the word is akatanyu, which has much more meaning in Pali and, and in Thailand. If you say akatanyu, they tend to know what, uh, what you're saying. It means ungrateful. Akatanyu means someone who doesn't know what has been done. Kata means done. So if someone did something for you and you don't acknowledge it, you're called akatanyu. You know, so, well, gratitude's important, right? If people do good things for you, it's, it's a wholesome mind state to think of them and say, hey, yes, that person did something good for me. If you don't remember that, if it doesn't change the way you act towards this person mm, you're ungrateful kata means done akata means uh, kata new means knows what is done akata new means doesn't know what's done so the buddha said sariputta's akata new what did he mean well you can break it up differently you can say akata akata means not done or not made and anyu means of course knows one who knows 
So akata new means one who knows that which is not made, which is nibbana. So how to explain this? Everything else, everything that we experience is made. I mean, it has conditions. It's in, and as a result, it's impermanent, unsatisfying, uncontrollable. It changes all that. It's unpredictable, chaotic. That's the universe. That's the world. Now, freedom, um, release, cessation, is not like that. It's stable. You could say it's satisfying. It's not controllable, but it's it's um, meaningful. It's unmade. And it's quite important. It's important to know that, to say, ah, yes, there is some way to be at, to have stability, to have an experience that is free from chaos, free from the unpredictable nature of things which are made, things which are conditioned. The third, Sandhicheda. Sandhicheda is a word that doesn't make much. We don't use it in English, but Sandhi is a chain. Sandhicheda. Cheda means one who cuts. So a Sandhicheda is one who cuts chains. And in, in Pali, it's a it's an idiom for, or it's a, it's a word, a euphemism, I guess, for, no, it's just a name for uh, some, a burglar because they would put chains on their doors or on their gates. And so someone who breaks chains is someone who, who does breaking and, and entering, who, who burglars houses. So he said, Sariputta is one who cuts chains. So you figure it out. The chain here, of course, is the chain of causation, the chain of rebirth, giving rise to new things. All of our ambitions are... are inclinations, our partialities, even our simple enjoyment of this or that, it all has effects. You enjoy something, well, it's going to lead you to plot out your life in order to get and maintain the things that you enjoy. You're going to create things. You're going to seek out stability, being able to get what you want all the time and never get what you don't want. This, is a, this creates a chain because you have to work and you have to constantly work and generally constantly be ill at ease out of concern of losing and, and because you do at times lose what you like and get what you don't like, even rich people. I don't want people to talk bad about me. Well, people are going to talk bad about you. I want people, don't want people to, uh, to say, to talk bad to me. Well, people will say bad things to you, and so on. I don't want to get old. You're going to get old. I don't want to get sick. You're going to get sick. I don't want to die. You're going to die. Sandhicheda. You cut the chain means you stop seeking, you stop wandering. When you're truly present, you know, there's none of this. There's peace, there's release, there's freedom.
Sandhicheta. And the last two are Hatavakaso, one who uh, has no no occasion, has lost all occasion or cut off all occasion. Hat, hatta means killed, maybe. Killed their opportunity. So someone who's going nowhere. That is what we say, parents say to their kids. You're going nowhere. You're a loser. Do you want to be a loser? Yes, we want to be a loser. We want to lose all of our attachments, all of our suffering. You see? Play on words. Uh, but having no occasion means having no occasion for the arising of defilements. Someone who has no occasion, no opportunity. Means there's no opportunity for their mind, for the for their their attachments because they don't arise. Someone who practices meditation becomes pure. Purity is to be it's the first thing to be expected from practicing mindfulness. Satanang Visuddhya. Purification of beings. It's as simple. It's not something majestic or mysterious. It's just simply the purity that comes from being objective, from being at peace, content, and aware of things just as they are, without needing them to be some other way. Vanta so the last one is, is the best. It's hopeless. Yes, Sariputta is hopeless. You say about someone who tries and tries but but fails all the time. Keeps failing. Eventually they fail enough, you just say, you're hopeless. But here it's something quite different. It means, I don't care if I'm hopeless. I have no hopes. I don't hope for anything. Someone asked me recently, they said, uh, or told me recently, they said, they said they're they're a loser or something like that, and I said, well, luckily there's no um, there's no exam for life. You know, we talk a lot in Buddhism about the dire consequences of defilements, and there are consequences. You can go to hell, or you can be such an evil person that you'll be reborn in a place of great suffering. Apparently. I don't want to force you to believe that. I know many people don't believe that's possible, but if you break it down, cause and effect is a real, true power in this world, and bad causes have bad effects. Evil mind states are called evil because they lead to evil. They lead to evil being brought back upon you. But ultimately that says only something about those states. It only talks about a causal relationship. I mean, in ultimate fact, in actual fact, they're still just experiences. 
The real problem with hell is that you probably won't like it. If you were enlightened and could somehow be reborn in hell, it wouldn't happen because you wouldn't be able to give rise to the states that lead there. But if you could, it wouldn't be hell. It would just be more experiences, more seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, feeling, thinking. And so hopeless in this context means you don't hope for things to be this way or that way. It's kind of a, kind of a reverse catch twenty two or something. It's a there's a yeah it's a you you give up caring about whether you're going to be happy. You give up looking for peace. You give up seeking out happiness. You give up striving for freedom to some extent. We don't want to give up striving. The Buddha said striving is good. But you're striving to let go, to let go of everything. You're striving to not strive, in a sense. So someone is truly hopeless, who has no hope, doesn't hope for this or that, doesn't hope that this will go away or that will come, and so on. When you no longer want happiness, that's when you find happiness. When you no longer want for peace, you're at peace. This is the height of humanity, he said. So, thought that would be interesting to talk about. I'll give you some frame of reference. Hey, what are we trying to become? Who do we want to be? What sort of a person are we looking to try to become? Give you a little direction, and hopefully some of this is appealing, and hopefully because this is where we're headed. So if you want to get off now, now you, you know where we're headed. You can always go home. I think this is one of the great things about Buddhism. It tends to be universally agreeable. It's hard possible, but it's hard to argue against many of the things the Buddha said because they weren't particular, like do this practice and, and, and you'll go to that place or something. Believe this, believe that. No, the Buddha said investigate. Here are some tools that will help you learn for yourself what is true. That's basically what he said. He made lots of claims about what is true, but he always said, don't believe me. Well, he didn't actually say, don't believe me. He said, he said um, don't be content with faith. Don't be content with belief. You can believe the Buddha all you want. It's not bad. It's just not, some, not enough. It's not enough. So there you go. There's some Dhamma for tonight. Thank you all for coming out. Thank you for your practice. Thank you to Sarat for sticking it out and for successfully completing the foundation course. Congratulations. Good night, everyone.